Welcome to the Impact Multiplier CEO Podcast. If you're a chief executive, or if you think like one, and you want to create exponentially greater impact, then this show is for you. My name is Richard Medcalf, founder of X Quadrant. I coach some of the most successful and impressive CEOs and executive teams on the planet and help them achieve extraordinary results. And no matter how successful you've been in the past, there's always a whole new level of impact available to you. So if you're ready to play a bigger game than ever before, I invite you to join us and become an Impact Multiplier CEO. Hi Richard. Hi Stephanie, it's good to see you again. Yes, yes, again on a very hot day actually. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's really hot and um, I think what people don't realize, you know, especially, um, I think especially in America where air conditioning is just pretty much everywhere is when it's a warm day in Paris, everybody's just dying, right? It's, yeah. <laughs> it's painful, it's painful. I I was in the office actually, to be quite honest, but uh, there you go. I'll make yeah. it I've got at home. <laughs> yeah, I was talking to a founder the other day who's back into his office after spending about three months in the French countryside, right? During the COVID lockdown and he said, uh, so how was it like to be back? Because I knew he actually quite enjoyed this, you know, countryside living and running his business from, from remote. And he said, well, actually, it's fine. You know, it's a nice day and, and I'm in the air conditioning, right? <laughs> so there are some advantages in getting back into the office. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So shall we get on with it then? So yeah. yeah, let's continue on the, um, yeah, on the series of uh, impact multipliers, right? Which is what we've been looking at. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so tell me about it. I think we're on... Um... Release commitments, I think, is what we're talking about today. Yeah, so if you remember, like last time we talked about um, eliminating noise mm -hmm. and really having that strategic focus. Uh, um, and I think this, this one, releasing commitment, you know, is a real multiplier. Um, as I, you know, I like to have a queen lyric for everything. So I thought about, um, in the immortal words of Freddie, uh, I'm a shooting star leaping through the sky like a tiger defying the laws of gravity, right? Um, don't stop me now. I mean, often we can feel a bit like that ourselves if we really feel that sense of ownership to a project and a commitment and a drive. But then, if we're honest, we might look around and go, right, everybody else looks a bit tired and not in the game. And the number of times I hear leaders say, you know, my people aren't committed, they don't really own it. I'm trying to get them to take ownership, but they don't own it, all this kind of stuff, right? And uh, wouldn't it be amazing if we can actually release commitment and release energy from the people around us? Um, and yet it almost seems that the harder we push, the less commitment we might get sometimes. So that's really what I would like to talk about today, I think. Oh uh, yeah, so what you mean by that is, you know, you're, you've got this great strategy, um, great ideas, great ways to move the business forward, have a great meeting, everyone nods along, and then it's just really hard to get people to actually buy in and actually help and deliver that great strategy or whatever it is that we're trying to do. Yeah, I remember, um, I, mean, I think I, I remember when I was in Cisco, somebody put up a slide which said, you know, we're going to do results equals strategy times execution or something like this and that was his big idea this this guy and um a lot of people will say that it's like we just need like good strategy and then execute the strategy and i think i'd rather say that results is alignment times leadership in many ways um 
Like, it doesn't matter what strategy you have, if people aren't really aligned around it, if they don't really, uh, not really committed to that. And then leadership, I think, is the art of, of releasing that commitment um, and, and energy in an organization so that they can execute, right? So I think execution is the result, but you have to, you have to um, mobilize people to do that. Yeah, maybe, or maybe another way to think about it is it's about all executing to the same objectives or to the same goals. We can all be executing like crazy, uh, but if, if everyone's executing in different directions, then the end result is, you know, we don't go anywhere. Yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, I, um, towards, yeah, some of my clients have, well, one of my clients used a phrase which was really good, which was basically like, my organization is like an amoeba. You know, I thought, I thought when I kind of became the CEO that I would like have all this control and in fact, I don't feel I have very much control. I'm like, it's like I'm the dot in the middle of the amoeba, but it's kind of moving around, seems to have a life of its own. Yeah. And actually, I don't, there, isn't, there aren't a lot of muscles in this machine, <laughs> mixing my <laughs> metaphors here, but there are enough muscle muscles in this organism to really get it to react how I would, how I would imagine. Yeah, I must say it's, um, you know, my experience with this kind of thing has been, um, I think, in being part of a team where I've had a very leaders with great ideas charismatic but there was always a struggle with putting into reality sort of the vision that was being communicated mm. i think me myself i've had the same problem in terms of um you know sometimes it's it's in a way sometimes it's easier to get the the nod or the you know the official yes from your direct reports uh, but then sort of once you all go off and try and make things happen in your own corners, because, you, you know, we're mm. senior leaders um, and they are trying to get their own teams to buy in and all the rest of that cascade, that, that alignment, you know, is not easy. It's, like, no. it's really hard, really hard. And it's not yeah. about how good your idea is. <laughs> no, it, absolutely. So that's what we're going to get on to. So ownership and commitment, I think, is this, is this key thing. And um, so I've have this... Um, notion of a fourfold commitment that I think it'd be good to explore uh, today. So let me just jump in with the first one. The first one is commitment to you, right? So you, if you were looking at your organization, the first thing you actually want is, is there a personal commitment to you as a leader? Um, it's the old adage, you know, you know, if you're a leader, if you turn around and if there's anybody following, right? That's the question. And I think John Maxwell, who's a author, leadership author, you know, he put it nicely. We said before, before people buy into your vision, they need to buy into you. Yeah, I, I think that's, I would, I would agree with that. I think that's uh, something that we see again and again, um, for good or worse, but the cult of the personality does live on and we all are more open-minded and more willing to listen to people that we actually feel an affinity for, or respect for, or whatever it is. So I can see where you're coming from on that. But you know, how do you how do you make that happen? You make it happen. Well, yeah. So um, yeah, people follow people. Um, how, yeah, so how do we how do we do that? Well, um, I think one obviously there's a whole range of we could get you know we could spend days probably talking about all these angles, right? But I think one helpful. A couple of helpful ways is to look at this is yeah, this balance between task focus um, and being clear around what is needed and what your expectations are. 
and relationship focus to actually creating that understanding that you actually care about the other person as a person and not as a unit of production, not as a resource. So I call it, I mean, the simple phrase for this for me is it's challenge, which is around task and deadlines and standards and clarity of, of, of what's expected and support, which is around personal relationship and personal uh, understanding. Because how many leaders really know what's going on in the lives of their family, of their team's families? Hey, how many of them know even though they're, you know, the, the, the names of the children of somebody who they work with every day, all these kind of things. And it's not... Uh, it's not just about knowing that it's also about understanding, you know, what's What's holding you back right now? Um, you know, what are your dreams and your ambitions as a person, right? What are you trying to achieve? What would be success for you in this role? Rather than just treating everybody as pawns on your chessboard. Yeah, and I think it's something that uh, needs to be done uh, um, Proactively in that, you know, I still remember one of my first roles as a manager and I had a I had a very good line manager who said to me, Stephanie, you know, you're very focused on tasks, you're very focused on results and getting somewhere and you, you know, you never to give you the five minute chit chat at the beginning of a meeting as a waste of time and not very efficient, but actually make sure you always have that five minute chit chat because that's how sometimes that's the only way you're going to get to know the people you're working with. And it, yeah. it really stuck when she, she said this to me because I thought, you know, let's just get on with it and make things happen. And I'd lost the sort of that human need from a lot of people, myself included, to feel like, as you say, you're not a pawn, you're not just a cog, that, you know, there's, there's life outside of work and, and people are interested. And I've, ever since then, I've always tried to, you know, I've, even if I'm super busy and I've got loads of meetings, try to make sure that five minute chit chat happens at the beginning. And I think it's because you know, anonymity is a big contributor to employee misery, right? Rather than engagement. So um, when you just feel that you're a replaceable unit of production, it doesn't feel good, right? It doesn't excite you. you don't, you're, not, you're not putting your heart into that. Um, so yeah, leaders create culture. And I think it's helpful to see, you know, what's in, look at the people in your team, what's the long-term culture that they're receiving from you? So if it's all about challenge and not so much about support, then it's going to be this, this kind of dominator culture, right? It's going to be very task focused. It's going to be really about just delivering the things that I need you to deliver. And People comply often in those situations, um, so you get results, and especially in the short term. But people's heart aren't in it, right? They—it's not something they feel personally engaged in. They're probably not going to bring their best innovations either. They're also probably a bit scared because it's very, very like my way or the highway. Often, or you know, or like if, if, the, if the standards aren't there, then there's no quarter because I don't really care about you as a person, and that comes through. And so you don't get people's hearts. On the other hand, there are leaders who, you know, and this comes out obviously in all of this comes out more and more under stress so on a good day we can all be the perfect leader yeah. right the question is what do we do when the pressure's on when the customer's calling yeah. up and screaming at us when our boss is putting pressure on us uh, when we have got other issues going on when we've got too much on our plate so this is like, where do we fall back to right because our, our team probably feel it more than ever um and we probably don't notice it as much as they do so the the opposite of this kind of high challenge dominator style is the very very high support but low in challenge leader and there i call it the insulator 
model because it's it's all about the comfort zone it's about nice conversations not you know preserving the relationship uh having a nice ambiance and that's all great but often the convers the hard conversations then don't happen yeah right the the standards aren't kept uh, people know they can kind of get away with substandard behavior or substandard deliverables and in one way people you know people kind of like it in one way but on the other hand they know that the truth isn't being told they know that they're not really growing they know that perhaps their skills in the market are starting to be eroded they're not quite as current they're not really on the top of their game right and um um and i think this is this is a a real danger zone as well because what often happens is 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 when you have that kind of culture um It'll be like, you're great, you're great, it's all going well, yeah, really good job, you know, a few hints here and there, perhaps, oh yeah, can you perhaps work on that a bit? And then suddenly you're fired. What? I was um, um, thinking of somebody who, a leader who said that the low point of their career was when they basically did not point out performance yeah. issues with somebody and then they fired them. Yeah. And the guy was like, why didn't anybody tell me? Mm. And then in fact, he stopped, he paused, you know, why didn't anyone tell me? Mm. Why didn't anybody tell me? Uh, and it was because this culture of kind of dancing around the topic had been established. Yeah. So, so if, you, if you don't bring support, people are gonna feel like pawns on the chessboard. If you don't bring enough challenge, people get into this complacent stagnation, mm. which doesn't serve them. Yeah. Um, Tonight's leaders don't bring either of those. They're just absent, right? They, they're, they're not even around. Um, especially when, the, when often what happens is, especially if you're more introverted, I think, um, when the pressure's on, people can re retreat into themselves to try to solve the problem in their own head and figure it out by themselves. And the team are left wondering what's, what's happening. But what happens when you bring both together consistently? It doesn't mean always jumping on the accelerator and the brake, so to speak, but it means really knowing at any one time yeah, we'll just definitely need more support from me or more challenge from me right now. Um, um, does she know that I care about her as an individual and is interested in what she's trying to achieve and, and, and what her constraints are in her life and work right now or what she needs to be learning? Am I supporting her in that? But I'm also really pushing her to be the best she can be, right? And I think that, I call it the activation zone. It's, it's there where you get great commitment um, to the leader because a leader like that, you know, who believes in you and trusts you and pushes you, it's actually incredibly rare, right? And it's precious yeah. when you get one. And it, it creates a two-way street in that, you know, if you, if you, if you're a, if you are a leader and you, you trust your people and you show that commitment and you find the right balance of support and challenge, my experience is that they, they show the same back to you. So mm. when you get to difficult times or when you've got difficult challenges, they're more like the team is more likely to pull together and sort of, you know, deliver against sort of and, and commit to overcoming a challenge than when sort of the relationship is a bit more imbalanced. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, and so I find that just having a very simple weekly discipline can be really useful. So I would say, imagine a steering wheel. Um, and so the question every week for everyone on your team is, do I go left or right? Do I add a bit more support? And what would that look like this week? Or do I need to add a bit more challenge? what does that look like so sometimes and of course those will look different in different ways some people what support means is i really want you to take an interest in me as a person 
yeah. uh, and, and know about me. Other people, support means like really make sure that you're giving me all the resources that I need uh, and all the, um, you know, or, or perhaps the, um, the training, like actually spend time with me to help me get over this particular hump that I'm trying to yeah. get over. Uh, or do they need more challenge, right? Do they need a new project? Do they need their goals raised? Do they need to be pushed harder on standards, right? Do they need that behavior called out? You know, what's the challenge? And so left or right. And then I also think about the accelerator and the brake. You know, it's like, what's the brake? What's holding them back right now? What's the one thing that's really limiting them? And that might be, you know, they pick their nose in a meeting and everyone thinks it's gross, right? Or it might be they write horrendously long emails that nobody ever reads. Yeah. Or it might be that they themselves don't challenge their team. Um, or are totally crushing their team and not, you know, and just driving them as you know, slave driving. And then what's the accelerator? What's the, what's the one thing that if they were to do would get them to their next level? And I think just by that idea, the steering wheel and the brake and the accelerator, you can immediately come up with like a really simple leadership game plan for your team. Yeah. Um, and this applies at executive level. People think this doesn't really apply. Oh, my team, they're senior enough. I pay them enough money. They don't need this stuff, right? They should be able to get on with it. But actually, um, if you want to build that, if you don't want to have an amoeba, if you're just doing things in isolation, you do actually need even more at the executive level, this really strong sense of commitment. Yeah. It goes beyond just like performance objectives that I need to tick off. Yeah, I think, I think the mechanics might be slightly different with an experienced team. Um, and in fact, I know they are. Um, but the bringing out the commitment, it doesn't happen on its own. You've got to make it happen. Yeah, it's not just going to happen on its own. So that's the commitment to me or you as a leader. Yeah, and there's more we can say, but let's, let's move on. Um, yeah. There's multiple things we could do. We could do this on another, another episode, perhaps. Um, so the next one is um, commitment to the mission, right? Commitment to the vision, if you like. Um, so what does commitment to the mission look like? Um, I think there's, there's two things that I would, I would speak to there. One of which is, um, well, the first one is having a, a heroic vision. Yeah. So a heroic vision for me is, yeah, it's um, another way of looking at it, another language for it would be, how are we gonna add value to this, our stakeholders? I mean, that sounds a really dry way of putting it. But it's like, actually, like, how can we be in service? Who are we in service to? Yeah, I, I think, I mean, I, the way it's sometimes been described to me is, you know, what you want is a vision where anyone in your organization is proud to, to talk about it at right. a dinner party or a drinks party when someone says, who do you work mm. for, what do they do? And that you, you have a, a, vision, a vision which is well understood and something that someone can be proud of and happy to talk about. Exactly. And what's that going to be? It's going to be because you're actually making somebody's life better somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> right? So, ways, but yes. <laughs> I mean, in some way down the road, you know, when you get, when you're going to go through all the layers, uh, it's actually so that somebody has a better life somewhere. Um, and, and so it's interesting to think about, you know, who is affected by what we do, right? What's the end outcome? How does that actually do that? And so I think that idea of a heroic vision of actually painting something which people, as you said, really want to get behind. I, my, bre um, my brother-in-law works at an um, energy company and um, actually works in renewable energy. So yeah, fantastic really, right? For the planet and everything else. And yet 
when his um when they had, they had a new ceo the ceo started off by just going you know our our mission is to drive shareholder value you know and it was like nobody gets out of bed for shareholder value apart from perhaps the shareholder right but i mean people don't put their back into just a revenue number, right? Um, unless it's really, 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 really highly leveraged and incentivized to do that. And, and even then, once you get to a certain level, you don't do it. So, so how can you, know, so what a shame to miss out this opportunity. You know, you've actually got this thing where you're making the planet better. You know, you're actually moving away from, from uh, fossil fuels, all these things you could be celebrating in your mission and actually you chose to make it all about shareholder value. But isn't there, isn't there the other problem which you have to pay attention to is by trying to build a heroic vision, you can make the vision so abstract and so unanchored into the reality of what, you know, what the company or the organization actually does that it just feels like words, you know, it doesn't feel real. It just feels like a, you know, a banner to stick over things. So it's got to be anchored <coughs> something. Yeah. So everything can be spun, right? Everything can be spun. Um, and I think, you have to have, yeah, you have to have a vision, which is something which you genuinely uh, are striving for. And it might actually be something which is kind of unattainable because it is so big, yeah. but that gets into other aspects. Once you have that, other, other parts of all this impact multiplication come into um, play, namely, how do we bring that down to something that we can actually progress towards in the next, quarter or year or three years and um but once you've got the north star it helps you think oh yeah well what is that next what, what's the best thing we can do in the next year to advance that agenda yeah. and it also allows us to go back and go have we been getting off course you know have we been taken off track by other distractions yeah. and can we refocus and you can do this on on um do this on a personal level as well as on a team or company level so i always ask you know what's as an individual leader what's your own heroic vision for your life you know what's the good that you want to do what's the impact you want to make um and what's your 25 year vision for the impact that you'd like to create because again that could be something which sounds so crazily impossible we have no idea how to get there if it's 25 years but that's only one percent a quarter if it's 25 year vision so suddenly well what's the one percent that i could you know what, what's the one percent step i could take this quarter or you know what's the four percent i could do this year that starts to become thing, which, something which doesn't sound so difficult. It sounds manageable. And yet you know that you, you can wind your way towards that, that bigger vision. So I think commitment to the, to the mission. So having this heroic vision that, is, uh, that people can see themselves in and see why it's important. And that can be for the company, for, for the team. Um, again, a client was um, running a team in a, in a company and you know, he, he, he was saying, yeah, well, the mission's all about driving EBITDA. You know, again, it was, well, that is, what you end up delivering financially to the company but that's not going to and they'll get some of your team excited just the ones who like to tick the numbers off and go yeah i hit that hit that number did it fine but there's also the other people in your team and that's not going to excite them so what is that what is that mission that you can offer to them even if your company hasn't got some huge mission what can you how can you help them have that vision and then very related to this is the future self um can we talk about vision we can heroic vision it's the idea we can see ourselves into that future picture and the future self is who are you going to be becoming who do we want to be um, as we go on that mission so what's the opportunity for us to actually 
grow and um, be better, I suppose, at the end of that process. So I think when you can actually explain, not just, so I'll, I'll give you an example. Um, when we talk, when I work with executive teams um, as a team, you might figure out what the, the vision is uh, for the company, you know, perhaps they got the vision for the company or whatever else. But I, I then say, well, you know, what's actually the vision for you as a team? Yeah, and what's your next level as a leader, right? What, where do you, how do you want to actually grow over the next season? Um, and what's that going to say about you? You know, what's that, what's the impact that's going to make? And so when people can actually see their own growth as part of this story, um, that also adds a, a turbo boost to it. It's not necessary, but I think it's really powerful. Yeah, it's a way of, in a way, it's, a, it's another way of anchoring the vision into um, what's in it for me. Kind of, yeah. We're all at heart selfish, <laughs> even though we, we try not to be. And, and there's very much a, what's mm. in it? to release commitment, people have to understand, you know, what's in it for me in terms of my value system, in terms of my, you know, whether it's financial or, you know, there's got to be for people to commit to something, even when, uh, especially at senior level, where the execution is not clear, because often when you're at senior level, there's not mm. a, a well-laid roadmap, you've got to define it. Yeah. Um, so for people to commit to something which is unclear, then, you know, it needs to be meaningful and it needs to be anchored into something that brings meaning to the person in each yeah. team. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And um, um, yeah, so you're incarnating it. It's not just this big vision, but it's also how am I going to have that heroic role in this journey? It's not just the vision, but how, what, what's my bit, right? What's, how do I need to step up and be a hero in this story and not a villain or a bit character? So that's the second part, Hero and Commitment to the Mission. This is just a quick interlude before we get back to today's main conversation. To celebrate the launch of the podcast, we're giving away, for the first time ever, a coaching package valued at over $3,000. You can use it yourself or you can give it to a friend or colleague who wants to multiply their impact. To enter, all you have to do is leave a review of the podcast on iTunes or in your preferred podcast app and send a screenshot to podcast at xquadrant.com and do that before 15th of September 2020. If you do miss that deadline, then leave a review before the 15th of October and there'll be a chance to win a smaller coaching package. For all the details, head to xquadrant.com slash podcasts. Reviews are the lifeblood of any podcast and so whether or not you're within the eligibility uh, time, it would still be fantastic if you would leave us a review, if you like the podcast or if you see the potential in the future as we continue to refine it, develop it and add to it. Many thanks and let's get back to that conversation. The next one, um, the third part is commitment to the team. Ah, okay, yes, that's a natural progression, isn't it? There's no good being committed to vision if the team's not working together, I guess. Is that what you mean? Yeah, exactly. Like, do I look around the room and go, these are the people I wanna, I wanna go on this trip with, right? Um, now, 
I suppose there is a slight um, uh, caveat to put on this. Uh, I remember actually speaking with a, um, it was actually um, uh, a pastor um, of a church and uh, very big on community. But he said to me, he said, you know, Richard, um, community, everyone thinks community is amazing. Everyone would like longs for community. Uh, and I, you know, I've devoted my life to building community, so I do believe in it. But what you have to realize is that community is doing things that you don't want to do with people that you don't want to do it with. Yeah. <laughs> that sounds like all committees I've ever been on. <laughs> Not all of them, but most of them. <laughs> That's because you believe in the purpose and, you know, it's worth trying to, right. to make it happen. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And so... Uh, and yeah, you have to kind of put down a bit of that, your own agenda, if you're going to make this thing work. And, and so there is, so I don't want to over glorify this idea of the team who's everybody's totally, uh, you know, absolutely, um, uh, yeah, the perfect team. But you do need a commitment to do the journey together. Yeah, I think, um, I think probably my closest equivalent of this commitment to team is, is probably sort of my very race experience, which was, you know, the, the vision and, you know, we all knew what we were trying to do. We all knew we were trying to, to win the boat race it was a long tough journey um and the commitment to the team was really actually um we all knew what was required of each of us mm. and when the chips were down and when things went wrong we knew we could rely on everyone in the team to still do what was required right and like that level of trust got us through some really you know you know our coach resigned sort of four weeks before the boat race you know we had injuries everywhere it was pretty grim um but that that commitment to team like we yeah. were all committed to we were all committed to the vision we were all committed to each doing our part to make that happen yeah you know that got us through all the mess that was around there yeah that's amazing i forgot that you were a sporting legend actually <laughs> um, yeah my team Team building stuff all comes from rowing, I'm afraid. <laughs> yeah, so I, I think, um, yeah, that, I mean, that, that question about yeah, how do you build that in a team and, and that question of trust, I mean, it's one of those management 101s. It's almost like, yeah, we know trust. But even today, I was um, speaking with um, a CEO who is doing a major transformation program around cloud computing. Um, and we're talking about why things weren't happening faster and what where the frictions were you know friction was and we got down to the root cause and it was like you know actually i'm not sure my team really trusts each other i think there's a lot of baggage from previous you know from previous years from across different regions and all the rest of it you know and it's like we're talking all this big stuff about the, all the strategy and all the clever things to do but actually there's a very human issue at the root of this and the other thing I see is this hub and spoke kind of structure, especially the executive teams, which can be that, you know, you have like the CEO and then on in the center, and then you have all the individual leaders of the spoke on that wheel. And the bottleneck. And the CEO is like, yeah, I, well, I get on with everybody, but, but there's actually a very limited relationship between the team. So it's not really a team, right? Often that's the big problem is that executive teams are not teams. I mean, one of the things I say is I help turn teams of high performers into high performing teams because often that's exactly what happens. You don't have a team spirit at the top level in companies. Um, it's a group, it's just a bunch of people who know how to run their function and are very good at marketing or technology or HR or, you know, sales. 
but they do not have a team dynamic and they're not committed to each other. And I, I wouldn't confuse liking each other with being able to, being capable of being a good team. You know, no. sometimes I see this confusion. And I think there's the trust element, which is super, like respect, you know, trust comes from respect, comes from understanding. You know, maybe you have differences, but if you trust and respect each other and know that everyone's gonna do what needs to be done, and you don't constantly have to go up to the CEO or up to the president yeah. and then have him or her kind of tell everyone what to do. If you can trust each other to interact directly with each other, it's gold. Exactly. It's, it's so impactful, it makes a huge difference. Yeah, this is huge, right? So this is what I'm saying, these are impact multipliers because if you don't have this, it just slows everything, I mean, if you have it, if you've got a team who are super committed to each other, then the energy that releases is huge, right? But if you have, if you don't have that, then you're pushing all the time, right? You're trying to make things happen. You're trying to drive things. I mean, I, I always, my ears prick up whenever anyone uses the word drive. Because mm. you know, if I'm trying to drive results, that is, that, that takes a lot of energy for not necessarily a lot of result. If you can release commitment, it sounds like you like like the touch paper and step back, right? That's what you look. Yeah, and what I was what uh, uh, my boss at SunGuard used to say to me is, you know, it's definitely what you should work on is just making yourself unnecessary to the functioning of the team. So yeah, your job, your role is to, you know, set the vision, uh, put the right things in place, find the right people, get them working together. But that if you went away and disappeared for two weeks, that they'd be able to function and keep committed and moving on with whatever it is that the objective is yes yeah, yeah. i mean some, somebody's probably already trademarked it but i think i need I, if it hasn't already been trademarked i should trademark the word strategic laziness because that's <laughs> the best thing right uh I like the sound yeah. Though. <laughs> um yeah so um turn to the teams that's that's the um that's the third one and so i think a really practical i mean first question for anyone is what can I do to build that commitment? How do you know, am I actually giving attention to the trust issues uh, and the dynamics of the team? Or am I just focused on task and getting the EBITDA numbers done for the quarter and everything else? Um, there's a lot we get, we could say on, on that, perhaps we do it with something, we, we dive deeper, but I think just realizing that that is a really big driver of, of energy and ownership. And then, and then the last one is, Commitment to the task, right? I mean, this perhaps where you start is committed to the task, right? Well, what are we actually needing to get done right now? I think that's a big one as well. Yeah, well, sometimes the task is a lot less sexy than the vision. And, you know, some, some tasks are really dull and boring, but, you know, if you, <laughs> the only way you can get people to do the dull, boring, tedious stuff is if mm. you know how it relates to the vision and if people are committed to the vision. Yeah, so you, yeah, so you've got the stack, right? You've got the stack. It's, you know, I'm committed to you as a leader. So I want to help, you know, I want to help you. I'm committed to the bigger picture here, the mission, right? So, you know, I know the team have got my back um, and, um, and I want to make sure that we win together. And then, and then the task. And I think of the task is a couple of areas of it. So one of which is about energy. Mm. So as a leader, it's kind of our role is to help people get into their zone of genius get into the, the the work that energizes them not for all the time because there's growth there's growth of doing things which are not quite in your genius zone 
but we know you know we're all have certain activities we love doing we find fascinating we can invest in we can go more and more and that energizes us and if we can actually map help people spend more of their time in that zone which energizes them then that reduces releases energy and commitment and uh and, and and desire to to do more and to go deeper yeah yeah and i think uh, getting that balance you know it's uh it's uh, the, the trap you can fall into is assigning tasks based on what people have done before, what they're already good at. Yeah. And, um, you know, um, you know, when you get to a, you know, senior team, you know, senior teams, most people have, you know, done lots of things that are very good at, but what they're really into and the reason they're still working and the reason they're ambitious people is they want to be challenged and mm. you know, it can be very frustrating for ambitious, bright, committed, yeah. Um, individuals to constantly be given the same task which you know, right but I think energizing and time is pretty boring <laughs> but I think what you're distinguishing here is this kind of zone of excellence where you're just good yeah. at it and then I think that there is this other place it's really this energy zone which is the rabbit hole never ends you keep you know that you want to yeah. the new tough new projects will flow into that but yeah. you know that when you're in that place whether it's strategizing and coming up with new approaches or whether it's uh you know mobilizing people or whether it's um going deep into you know or envisioning the future and thinking through yeah. how it's gonna be ready whatever it is that really lights you up um it might just be you know being really organized at managing a whole lot of complexity and getting all the resources and people and systems to all align whatever it is we kind of have we can always go deeper if it really energizes us we can always get more mastery and we never want to stop on that journey i think that's what you want to find what are those things and that's why we need we need to um, as leaders we need a language to help us do that right like how well do we know our people do we really know where their genius is or are we just saying well there's a job over here they need doing please do this yeah. um, um you know it'd be like that, that takes us full circle to the very first point sir that you, you sort of um uh talked about which was the commitment to you as a leader you know the the sort of support challenge getting to know your people yeah you know, it, 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 all four of these sort of pillars or elements or mm. pieces they, they all link together. You, yeah, you can't do. Do. No. Them and think that's going to release commitment. The, the yeah, so it's, it's prisms. It's prisms on whatever. It's like looking at the gem from different angles, I suppose. I, I suppose the way I like to see this idea of the energy and the genius zone is it's a bit like, again, I'll use Queen as an example because it just popped in my mind. You know, Freddie Mercury walks into a bar. It sounds like a joke, doesn't it? But it's not going to be a joke. Uh, and, you know, and looks for, asks for, says, you know, like into a nightclub or something, right? And there's perhaps a stage and, and everything in this nightclub. And, and, the guy goes, yeah, yeah, we need, we need like somebody to serve the drinks, you know? Here, I'll, I'll give you a job to serve the drinks. And so you take Freddie Mercury and you stick him serving drinks. Yeah. Right, you've just totally missed, you know, like the genius yeah. zone of sticking him on the stage with the microphone. Yeah. Um, somebody else, another friend of mine says, um, um, uh, was it Frank Sinatra didn't move pianos? You know, it was like... <laughs> Or is it like a fish, you can't teach a fish to ride a bicycle or, I know I'm sure that's the same analogy. Yeah. You know, people have yeah. Yeah. a set of skills, competencies, strengths, weaknesses, and without understanding that, then you can't map people to the right kinds of um, right. 
yeah components of your vision whether you call it tasks or projects or whatever it is you need to know that exactly so the question is do you have a system as a leader for that do you have a language for that there's various tools around and i you know i've used kind of a hybrid approach with some different ones um again we can talk more about that but i think you know as a leader do you have that system to allow you to help people get into their genius zone and then related to that is ownership um you know how do you create ownership and i hear this in my coaching all the time how do i build how do i get people to buy in to own and i said but you know but the way we, we talk about ownership so often it's like you know imagine that you um i don't know you you know you wake up and there's a um a baby just lying in your doorway um well you yeah you might have to deal with it right but you don't feel you own that, you know, it doesn't feel necessarily you own that problem in the same way that you do own the problem when it's actually your baby yeah. that you've made yeah. uh, and you're going to get up in the middle of the night to deal with it, right? So I say people don't own, well, people own what they help make, right? And so often ownership in business is like forcing my idea down into my organization, like take ownership, yeah. <laughs> own this. Nobody wants to have something thrust at them telling them to own it so the question becomes how do you co-create how do you help people feel that they have actually shaped this task and that they have actually the task is theirs as much as it is yours yeah that's a tricky balance because you know it's the, there's a time as a leader where you have to push forward a certain vision and a certain way of making things happen um and the danger for especially strong sort of dominant leaders like like myself maybe um is sort of taking the time to um open up the vision or open up the sort of the the plan to other people sort of adjusting it and adding their own flavor and, and mm. in that way co-creating and it, it feels like it might slow things down but actually longer term by making time for that yeah. it can just accelerate the execution exactly it's, again it's a multiplier you know because you you get it done and then it keeps working it keeps it keeps working for you so um i agree this this is not about i talk about push and pull behaviors right so push is like telling you very clearly explaining what i need what i want um all that and a lot of leaders as you say are very good at that very good at pushing you know, pulling is establishing common ground, listening in, trying to find out what, what your perspectives are, what you, what, how you change things, um, uh, drawing out from you what you see is important in this. And I say, if you just spend push, you, if you push, it'll be very clear, um, which is great, but you won't create any commitment. Mm. If you only pull, then you'll create great ownership, but about something which is not at all aligned with anything else. Yeah. They'll, they'll totally own what they've come up with, but it's, it's not been shaped by any external reality. And so I think it's this, this art of using both push and pull techniques so that you are very clear about perhaps the intent or you know, what the outcome needs to look like, or at least the, the rough outline. Of like, I, you know, this is the kind of the, the, the target zone that we're aiming for. But then switch over and go into pull mode and say, so, you know, what, how would you adjust this picture? 
um, what do you think the obstacles are? How are we going to need to address this? What are going to be the, the main areas that we need to attack on this? How would we structure this? What do we need to deal with first? And you allow them to be a co-creator in that process. So you do definitely define the the gate, I don't know, the boundary of play or whatever you want to describe it, the target zone, but actually you help co-create yeah. something with yeah. them. Wow, so much to think about. <laughs> so there's a lot. And again, I think the point of these early episodes was really, is really just to kind of put these things out there. Yeah. Um, knowing that each of these, you know, when we get to episode 549, perhaps would have done, you know, would have exhausted them all. But, um, but I think... Even just thinking, yeah, commitment to you as a leader, commitment to the mission, commitment to the team, and commitment to the task. And when you're thinking, well, so and so in my organization, they don't seem committed. They don't, they're not taking ownership. Just take a time to just think about those four angles and go, what's, what's the weak point here, right? If I can work on one thing, what's going to be the, uh, the one to work on? Yeah, I like, the, like this sort of systematic approach rather than relying on sort of gut or experience, which can be a bit woolly, like just having those systematic checklists, those four, mm. okay, I'm not seeing commitment, is the problem, you know, uh, my leadership, the vision, the commitment to team, or the commitment to task. It just, yeah. It's a real helpful, just, you can just go through that and it helps pinpoint the action that needs to happen. Yeah, exactly so. So that, that's why, you know, as I say, it's a huge subject. Um, and, you know, books have been written about all these different things. But I think what we need more than now in this day and age are these kind of like these simple mental models that allow us in the moment or when we're faced with something like, okay, commitment. Okay, yeah, fourfold commitment. Let me think about that. It just helps us process more efficiently than kind of almost... Uh, you know, going to buy a book about something and reading, you know, spending a, a day reading the book or, or you say, just kind of jumping to the usual technique that we use. I need, they need more incentives, you know, let's bring more incentives on. They're not committed enough or they're obviously the wrong person for this job. We need to sack them and find somebody else or whatever our instinctive reaction is. But when we're not feeling there's commitment, actually just taking a step back and going, okay, what could the, you know, how do we break that down into its constituent parts? Fabulous. Wow. I enjoyed that one. So um, does this mean you're now, we're now ready to move on to the next topic? Yeah, I think so. Um, so next time we will talk about uh, multiplier number three, um, which I kind of call accelerate learning, accelerate learning. Um, and we'll talk about, that's really about how do we address mindset issues, attitude issues uh, across an organization. Um, you know, why doesn't leadership development normally work um, and what to do instead? Um, and obviously accelerating learning, we just know in our day and age, world is moving so fast. Yeah. We do have to stay on top of things. That's going to be the, uh, the topic for next time. Fabulous. I'm looking forward to it. And uh, if anyone's interested in learning more, uh, either subscribe to our podcast or head to the YouTube channel or the website xquadrant.com for the show notes. And uh, any final thoughts, uh, Richard, just to close us off? I think my final thoughts would be that releasing commitment, um, you know, is a game changer. Um, releasing that additional energy over and above the bare minimum from people separates good businesses from great businesses. 
And I think this idea of push versus pull uh, strategies is really a key one. So I would encourage you in, you know, think about the interaction you've got coming ahead. The next conversation that's going to be a, a high stakes conversation and just think ahead of time. How far do I want to push? What do I need to really be clear about? And actually, where can I pull? Where can I get curious? Where can I invite them in to shape this? How much liberty can I actually give them to take the driving seat and me to step back? And I think just by looking at that push and pull can really create some shifts in just a few conversations around commitment. Thank you, Richard. Thanks, Stephanie. See you next time. See you next time. I hope you enjoyed this conversation. Now let's talk about you. When you're in a position of top leadership, when you're in the biggest role of your career, who supports you at a deep level as you lead others? Who helps you multiply your impact and get to the next level? Well, this is what we do. If you'd like to know more about our community of extraordinary leaders, visit us at xquadrant.com.